Welcome to the With Clarity and Purpose podcast with your host, Janet Borrego. Each week, I bring you an inspiring person or message to empower you to live life on your terms so you can be who you want to be, do what you are meant to do, and have the life you deserve to have. We will provide you with practical and cutting-edge approaches to continue getting clarity and direction on your path, mastering your mindset, and gaining confidence to tap into your inner wisdom so you can live on purpose. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another podcast episode of the With Clarity and Purpose podcast. And today I am super excited because I have a very, very special guest, John Marshall. He's an amazing leadership and mind mastery coach. He specializes in helping leaders and aspiring professionals master their minds so they can master their careers, relationships, and health. He's also a certified coach, a yoga and meditation teacher, and he has many tools in his toolbox. One of those tools is the Enneagram personality test, which we are going to talk about today also. How are you, John? Thank you so much for being here today. So good. So good to be with you. It's, uh, it's great to be in conversation with you again. I feel like every time that we sit down, there's something that we could talk about for hours and, you know, I'm glad that your audience is going to be able to join us for this. So I'm super excited. Thank you guys for uh, your community for having me and thank you for having me as well. Thank you so much, John. And he says that because before recording the podcast, we were talking and we were getting into the flow of things and sort of we're like, okay, let's take action and record this podcast because we can spend hours talking. John and I met few months back, funny enough, we worked for our same, one of my former employees, ExxonMobil, and he worked there for a big chunk of his career. We had common connections and they kept telling us, you need to meet each other. You need to meet each other. And finally, we were able to have some coffee a few months ago and we immediately connected. And one of the things that I love about you, John, is how passionate you are to live your purpose, to grow and give. I think growing and giving, those are the two elements of a successful, fulfilled life. So I appreciate that for you. I think that's that's your biggest strength, growing and giving. Now, John, we want to know about you because you also have a really interesting background. You are an engineer. Your career was an engineer. And then you transitioned into coaching, very similar to me. So... I'm interested to talk about that. But first, we want to know, where are you from originally? What is your background? So I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm born and raised there, a smallish town called New Kensington. And I still love it. I still love going back. I have a lot of friends that are back there that I catch up with almost on the daily. So it's really, really an amazing place to come from, actually. And so coming from there, I ended up getting a full academic scholarship to Penn State, which absolutely changed my life. And when I was at Penn State, I knew that this was everything that I needed to make the most of this opportunity. Right. So before that, you know, before I went to college, I was thinking I wasn't really sure what to do. You know, it was more from more of a blue collar town. You go to college, you get a degree, you come out, work, make money retire that's kind of the yeah. mentality around that around pittsburgh and so i was good at math and science so it was like well you can make you can make money being an engineer you'll be an engineer all right well i didn't know which engineer to, which engineering to do and then someone came to high school to give a talk and he brought up energy engineering which is kind of what petroleum natural gas is to upstream i was to downstream in power generation and when he came and was talking about it, I was like, wow, this is the new frontier because it wasn't just downstream. It was wind, solar, geothermal, like we did all alternative energies too. So I was immediately interested. And that was the guy that actually ended up putting in my credentials and everything for the scholarship award that I ended up getting. So thank God I went to that talk that day. <laughs> it, it absolutely changed my life. So then I went to Penn State, was immediately majoring in that. And then 
I was going to minor in finance to get the finance side of that, but I ended up just doing the double major. A lot of the classes somewhat overlapped, but so I have double major energy engineering and energy business finance. And then that was all in alternative energy. Obviously, then I started working for ExxonMobil. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that was amazing. Honestly, I look back on those years with, with ExxonMobil as a blessing. Not only was it amazing people that I had met and you know, global experiences that I hadn't had ever in my life. So, you know, growing up, really leave Pennsylvania much, yeah. maybe a couple of times. So to get the experience to travel to different continents, to meet people from all around the world, even just at the campus was something that you know, I'm really grateful for. And I had a lot of really business experiences. So while I have the engineering and finance degree, I was pretty much in sales and business development my whole career there. And there were just some really intense you know, negotiation, interactions with with customers, with, you know, moving, moving up the ladder, it's the whole thing. So while I'm grateful for a lot of those experiences and the exposure that it gave me, you know, it also showed me some things that we could do better. It also showed me some things that maybe I didn't want to be a part of. And it got me to the point where I knew that it wasn't the work that I was meant to put out that I was brought here to do, right? And so I started doing a lot of exploration. I think that's where it starts. You know, when you're talking about clarity and purpose, it's you don't find clarity and purpose just doing what you do. Yeah. Like it takes self-exploration, it takes self-discovery. And in order to self-discover, you have to do something that is outside of yourself. Mm. It is outside of your day-to-day norm. And for me, you know, that was yoga teacher training. That was my space to really step out of what I'm doing day to day and take the time to explore myself, explore what really does resonate with me. Because, you know, that's the first question you ask clients or even a potential client is something like, what do you really want? It's the hardest question. It's the hardest question to answer. And it changes it. What I wanted five years ago isn't what I want today. I'm like, that's perfect. That's not going to be what I want five years from now. We have to make sure that we're taking the time to ask the question and sit down and figure that out. Right. So background wise, I was, so I had, I was at ExxonMobil. I started doing, took my first yoga class in January of 2017 and fell in love immediately. It was the perfect balance of mind body type work because I've always been interested in Eastern philosophy and different schools of thought. I'd been exposed to it early on in life, yet didn't really incorporate it in the physical aspect of the work. I was a football player. You know, all I really did, you know, I knew I lifted weights and you did cardio when you had to to get ready for the season, right? And that was like my extent of physical practice and yoga to me back then was like, I don't know, where women go to stretch. You know, I was, I had no idea what it really was. That first practice really just rocked my world. And I was like, wow, this is a fantastic workout. I feel great physically and mentally. I need to learn more about this. So I signed up for a 40 days challenge after that, completed that whole thing through. And that was my first time. And they do a lot of inquiry, you know, in that process. You know, this, this was that big power yoga where I teach today. And there's a lot of inquiry in that process. Gave me the time to pause and really think about what is it that I want? You know, am I really enjoying what I'm doing right now with my life? And like these are the questions that you have to start asking yourself if you want to start living your purpose. Purpose won't find you. You have to allow it to come through. And that call, that takes pausing, quieting your mind. Now, after that 40 days, I'm thinking. I want to go deeper into this. I continue practicing. I continue, you know, doing more research. And I've always been super curious, right? And mind is something that is the really the last frontier. It's the last thing that we have yet to figure out, pretty much. And so I've always been really interested in that. And 
really what makes us tick. What is the purpose? Why do we have? What are the thought processes behind that? So then just in through that work, the opportunity came up to me where I can do teacher training. So I was like, all right, why not? Let's do it. This whole time, I'm still working full time. It's on like many hours, long nights. That's fine. I'm still going to take this free time that I have and go do 200 hours of training. Why not? So that all happened from August through the end of the year. So I took my first class in January 2017. I taught my first class in January 2018. I've been teaching every week since then. So over five years now and love it. It gave me teacher tra- yoga, teacher training gave me more personally and professionally than any professional development program I'd ever been a part of. The way that you stand up in front of your room, you're able to communicate yourself confidently, vulnerably, and you know, really show up as a leader. You are leading this experience every week. So how does that translate to the way you lead a meeting? How does that translate to the way you lead your teams? You carry yourself, that you're mindful about what you say, what you think, what you do. And it really made it such a difference for me professionally that my students, my students at Exxon, so I taught at the Wellness Center. Mm-hmm. And my students at Exxon actually nominated me for that EM talk. I love so that. there's like a, for the listeners, it's kind of like a TEDx forum that they do at Exxon Mobile. It's broadcasted globally to the, uh, the employee base. It was like 80,000 or so at the time, I think. And the feedback that I got from that talk was just incredible. You know, handwritten letters, calls, and even years later, the people that have ran into me that said, I made decisions in my life to come to where I am now because of that talk. And so after that, you know, that was the last straw that really sent me down the path of just being my purpose. Like there's something here that I can offer is not a, something I do in my free time. This is something that I can dedicate my time towards. And now, how did that change into coaching, right? So it was speaking, doing these workshops, leading engagements, teaching, meditating, leading yoga and meditation. And then you, know, you start really thinking of how does this translate into the way that we live and work? It shows up as behavior. Yeah. And how do you change behavior? Coaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is the science of behavior change, right? So when I started that mission, like humescence was born out of that. So it was all thinking about like, how do we, how do I bring this word human into this? And so humescence, my business, that's how that starting was bringing the human essence to modern business. How do we do that? Coaching psychology has to be a foundation of that because in order to bring it in, we have to change the behaviors that human essence to be present, right? in the workplace, within your teams, like cross industries. And, you know, it starts one individual at a time, really. Behavior change starts at the personal level. And it starts with your why. Why is it important to you? I love that so much. Wow, your journey. I didn't know your journey, even though we spent an hour in a coffee chat. We didn't talk about this. So thank you so much for sharing. And thank you for having the courage to really pursue what felt right for you. Because there is a lot of, we were talking before this interview about the fear of uncertainty, which stops more, most people. The fear of not knowing how this is going to look like. The fear of not knowing what's going to happen. And when you were talking about the time when you found your purpose, when you started gaining that clarity and you start exploring yoga and it felt right. You know, it was just a feeling of this is it. And I wrote in my sticky note, having faith, because I think faith is such an important part of the equation when you're exploring yourself and you're trying to understand what your purpose is, because there is no guarantee of when you're going to find that thing that feels right. There is no certainty of a lot of things outside. One of the purposes of coaching really is that self-mastery of finding that certainty within yourself. And that comes with faith that things will unfold when the time is right. I mean, in this process of finding yourself, John, how was also the process of keeping that faith and also following that courage to go from corporate to full-time entrepreneurship, which is a huge, a huge change. And no way to hear the answer. 
It's been, so I guess we stopped right after the, you know, kind of the formation of the Humanescence idea. Yeah. And that was after the TED Talk and everything. And, and so that, that gets, crazy. yep. So that was, that was 2019 when mm-hmm. I did the talk. Wow. Um, and even before that, I had thought of the idea for Humanescence and what that would be. So it's interesting how they all intertwine. So then I went full-time with Humanescence in the beginning of 2021. So it's relatively recent but to take the leap you know i had been i formed the llc in 2018 so i had been stewing on the idea all these different opportunities coming up and you know the universe was showing me and reinforcing my faith by doing these opportunities on the side you know and all of the feedback that i was getting from for doing that work and so to answer your question the courage and taking the leap and i love that you brought up faith and I want to add one thing to faith is agents like God, the universe, your plan, your purpose does not operate on your timeline. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I went to my first class in 2017. I think that was going to change in the way I directed my professional career the rest of my life. Absolutely not. But I think that going into that class or going into teacher training or any other professional development courses that I chose for myself. I think that that was going to change my path immediately. Maybe it doesn't. And it might, you know, that's the thing is just being open to receiving the direction and the messages that universe, the God, whatever you want to believe in sends you that guides you towards your purpose and helps reinstill that faith. So I think that there's faith and teachings are really key to discovering your purpose finding clarity because without patience when we have this constant need to figure it out i want to figure it out i'm digging i'm digging there doesn't allow space for you to hear the subtle messages for you to see the subtle messages of the guidance toward your purpose the subtle hints of the reinforcement of your faith like that takes peace of mind that takes some period of stillness you know that's why all of my programs today have a Mindfulness have a self-awareness component towards them because there is no change. There is no purpose discovery. There's no career discovery without stillness of mind and being able to see small things that come up to show you that. Right. So anyway, the courage to take the leap, I'd say that stillness was a big part of that. Patience was a big part of that. And then ultimately, when it comes down to it, it's when the fear of never having tried it at all becomes greater than fear of failing. As soon as that happens, teeters over that itch and go for the rocks. So if you can sit there and you can look at the ghost of the opportunity past that's sitting by your bedside when you're dying and be happy with it, then, you know, okay, good. You've explored the opportunity. Great. But if you'd be staring at that ghost and wondering what that would have been why I never did it, why I never took the step into there, then let the fear of that ghost sitting at your bedside send you over the edge and just do it because you're going to be okay. You know, especially if you've already gotten to the point in your career, you've done what everyone told you, what everyone told you to do. You know, you've got the degree, you're working, you're climbing the ladder. Maybe you're a little upset. Maybe you feel a little unaligned with what you're doing, misaligned with what you're doing. Great. You can always get another job. <laughs> like you will find something to do, right? You will get paid. But then as time goes on, will you be able to prioritize doing your vision? That's the thing. Time is really the most precious resource. We can make more money with the time that we have, right? In many different ways. It's expanding more and more these days. Like the ways to make money is getting just more and more creative. But that's it's secondary. You know, it's really, what are we here for? And, you know, I have three things that I live by in my, my coaching. You'll find it on the framework of my, my website in the consciousness development continuum on my website. There are three things that are worth living for. That's it. It's your contribution, connection, creation. That's it. Some combination of those three things. The next life for reflecting. I love it. I love it so much. Oh my God, John. Oh, so many gems, so many pieces of gold. Okay, so you talked about faith and patience. And 
faith and patience, like everything else, is something that people can practice, right? Because it's not natural for most people. It doesn't come natural. What is your routine to really um, clean that connection between you and source, between you and universe, and to strengthen that connection while practicing faith? What, What has worked for you that is actionable? Maybe from someone listening in the audience and saying, okay, I want to try doing that and see if I can be more patient and faithful. So there are so many things that you can do. I'm going to give you a couple things that have been very cornerstone to my practice and my development. I mean, meditation is a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. And, you know, I know we share the Vipassana experience and, you know, wow, that was very challenging. It was eye-opening. And, you know, you don't need to go away for 10 days and saying as a practice, you can start small. But again, threading this through everything I've been saying, I guess, so far is not stillness, like the quieting of the mind is so key for letting messages and your purpose and your guidance system come to light. Because a lot of the time, it's not about figuring it out. It's actually about getting out of the way. We have to get our minds and our trying to control things out of the way for the path to come forth. So for me, that starts with quieting the mind. That can be meditating every morning. Be doing small. Um, my podcast, we just did that interview with the author of The Power of Allah. That practice is super powerful. That takes one minute, one minute. Sit there, breathe, bring something into your field of vision that creates an experience of awe and hold it there to sink into your parasympathetic nervous system through breath. And that's just a one minute practice. So for me, meditation is huge. That can is massive. So I take mindfulness on the micro level that we're talking about meditation and I bring it to the macro level for my life and with my clients. So this is something that coaching clients as well as we look at this what it takes the roles and commitments that you've made in your life how you balance them around what you're creating right now so i teach this in my burnout to balance workshop and i do it with all my clients because it's not about like i said we have to get ourselves out of the way and make things simple so the way I look at my life on a macro mindful scale is checking in every week with this wheel I have of roles and commitments. So I have my roles all around the wheel, I rate them one through five every week. And that way I can check in with, you know, how am I showing? Think it, so just some example roles there would be like boyfriend, entrepreneur, friend, son, uncle, and brother, and all of the things that I am committed to and roles that I've not roles that I play, but roles that I assumed in my life, you know, whether they were chosen or not, a part of you, right? So I look at what is a five for me? So what is my optimal contribution? And then this is a macro mindful way for me to check in. What's making me not live up to my contribution in all of these areas of my life? Or am I over contributing in one area of my life that's leaving me off balance? So that is a big practice that helps me take a step back, look at like a macro mindful picture of my life. While the micro mindfulness moments for your own mind are fantastic, I find it really good to take a step back and look at what am I committed to in all aspects of my life and does it align? Sometimes a role may have to go. Yeah. It may have to go. And then I work with clients on what's the best way to easily, respectfully, and with love let role change your commitment to Right. And that can free up so much mental space to start a business, discover your purpose, find love. So we have to create space for the thing that we want to come into our life. And that can be simply just finding your purpose and finding your path. If there's something in the way of that commitment where you're dedicating your energy, it's not going to show up. You don't have provided space for it. Right. So those are two practices. And that same, there's this element that's, um, one of the teachers of Abraham, actually, his name is escaping me right now. And it's this element called basic trust. And it's the trust that everything is conspiring in your favor, right? That this grand plan is unfolding in a way that is perfect, whether good or bad, regardless of your preferences, that the way that it's unfolding is perfect. And 
great book for this is one that I have maybe like 23 pages left of right now. Uh, Michael Singer, he wrote The Untethered Soul. Oh, I love that book. Right. So he wrote another one. It's called The Surrender Experiment. And it's all about his life, basically. And he dedicated his life to surrendering to the flow of the universe, to letting go of himself, letting go of his preferences, and just letting life take him for this ride. And that didn't mean that he wasn't working, that he wasn't taking action. He was dropping this, and you've talked about it, and you know, like this, the craving and aversion, right? It's a getting rid of the craving for what's good, pleasurable, desirable, easeful, fun, and letting go of the aversion or running away from what's bad, scary, fearful. You know, it's like really looking at what is the root of that fear and starting to rationalize it in your mind. And that's another beautiful thing to do with a coach. I would say that faith that comes from surrendering and watching how things unfold in your life. And then there's also the basic yet very powerful reconnecting with good quality thoughts, whether that's scripture and new religion or faith you're following or good positive thinking and writing and music. It's like to reinforce your faith. It's like reinforce what you're feeding your mind. You know, take a little bit of time at night to read scripture. Join, you know, join a group. Join a group of people that are just committed to being better people. You know, surround yourself with things in your environment that feed what you want to become, or else you'll remain where you are. That's just the way it is. Yeah, I love that so much. And I was actually, you know, Napoleon Hill, right? He wrote Think and Grow Rich. And he has other books. I just finished reading Outwitting the Devil. I don't know if you have ever heard it. It's really good. It talks about the fears. It talks about overcoming all of these self-limitations. And I was reading, I'm finishing this other one called Three Feet from Gold. You know the story that the guy gave up just three feet from actually finding the gold? So they basically studied, studied all these stories of people that never gave up and they make a book out of it, right? So that's where the title of Three Feet from Gold comes. And it's just so inspiring. And I mean, entrepreneurship is a challenging journey, right? In terms of the mindset, you got to have like a really strong mindset every day, show up. And I feel I love this advice of be careful with what you feed your mind and every day have something like you mentioned the scriptures, prayer, have something to intentionally feed your mind so you can focus on the positive, on the possibilities, because most of the time people are focusing on what they don't want. People are focusing on all the limitations they have in their lives since they wake up until they go to bed. So that's such a good actionable reminder. So I appreciate that, John. Oh my yeah. God, so much goodness in this interview. Let's talk about the Enneagram because I mean, that's a big topic here today. As I oh. told everyone listening, John has like a million tools. He has like a wealth of knowledge. He's an amazing coach. And he brought up this personality test called the Enneagram, which he uses in his coaching practice. And I was like, okay, let's talk about that because I'm curious. I've never done it myself. I did it for the first time this week because he sent me the link. But let's talk about it, John. What is the Enneagram? How do you use it? How can we use it? Like, Tell us everything. <laughs> yeah. This would be a very, very long cast episode if I could tell you everything. <laughs> right. I'm going to give you some things to work on based on myself. Right. So I, I know my own type very well. And just to give you a little bit of history, so the Enneagram is very ancient, right? So it's based on like ancient Sufi wisdom. If they start to they start to retrace a lot of the lineages. I mean, we're talking thousands of years, right? If just recently it was brought to light from Brazil. So it's man, uh, Claudio Naranjo was the one who kind of started a lot of their research and brought it back to the U.S. And there have been various different teachers and practitioners that have expanded on the work in their own ways. I won't um, bore you too much with the history. We can give you a link to a lot of that backstory in, in the show notes or something. But the way that I view 
the Enneagram is. So we're all, we all come into the world untainted, full of possibility, this exploration, curiosity, no fear. You can play, you can sing, you can dance, nothing holding you back, right? And then there's something, there's something that goes missing. There's something that, whether it's it all happens within childhood, where there's piece of the development path that goes missing, right? And it could be could be something that your parents or family viewed as positive that actually ended up drawing you away from what this core personality type was developed to accept or to get, right? So I'm going to talk about my own. So there is, so there's one through nine types. So I'm a type three, right? So this nine pointed star on the Enneagram just, just to give a little bit of lay of the land. So eight through one. So eight, nine, and one are going to be at the top. So eight through one are your body types. We call it your the body triad, the gut triad. So that's where a lot of the intelligence is derived from. So I lie in the heart triad, and that's more of so wanting connection and love. Then the head triad is five, six, seven. So five, six, seven is wanting competence, understanding, right? So, and then they're all connected. So if we start getting into the ways that you go to different types when you're stressed and when you're aligned, we'd be here for another, right? Just to give you from my type, as a type three, when I'm stressed, I go to a type nine. So I take on type nine tendencies. I'm aligned, I take on type six tendencies. So I move over to type six. So if you look at the lines of the Enneagram, that's how you shift. So it's super dynamic depending on where you are in life and what's happening in your life at the moment. That's why it's such an amazing tool for me to use with clients because when they are stressed, we can take on, we can take and see, you know, some of the qualities of say, for me, speaking of myself, like the nine that are showing up in my life at the time, right? Or we can take, you know, how do we set up your work environment, your home environment to support your basic needs, right? As a type three. So me being a type three, so each of them have a label. And depending on which school of thought you go to, they're kind of labeled differently. But type three is the achiever, right? So what you do as a type three is you basically are trying to become what people think of as success in order to be loved, right? So now the way that this happens and or develops when you think of the core childhood wound or childhood place that it comes from, say for me, it's not that there wasn't love in my life, but it's that everything got increased and was excited when I would say, bring a great report card, another trophy. It was like, oh, wow, great job, like extra love. And then it can happen even from your friend circle as well. So maybe you weren't really accepted as you know, as a friend or as someone in the group until you experience success. So it's like, oh, wow, okay. So when I'm successful, then I'll be loved. So then you start developing this personality strategy that can lead to great things. So there is no good and bad type, right? There are good and bad things about every type. I don't even like saying good and bad, just aligned and not aligned, like parts of each type. So for a type three, you know, the things that what it can lead to is deceit, lying to yourself and others, and becoming more like full of vanity, right? So this deceit, the way that it can show up, coming off or putting out a persona, others are going to perceive as successful, has no idea who you are. So it's like type threes and type nines, I would say, are the most disconnected from emotions. Because as a type three, experiencing emotion does not, you know, it's not an image of success. So why I feel mm-hmm. so getting in touch with my emotions and broadening my emotional vocabulary, so huge for me, you know, to access that emotional intuition, like when things, my feelings are telling me that a need is present or is not present, can't understand that if I'm disconnected from my emotions. So I'd say as a type three and as a man, you know, those are things that are suppressed. You know, don't feel be successful. Don't cry about it. You know, start get ready. Be be fierce. Be strong. Right. 
So you suppress a lot of that and it's suppressing a lot of your humanity and also a lot of your intuition, mm-hmm. your emotional guidance system, right? So the way that I use it is, you know, thinking about the things that are going to set me up for success, right? So as a type three, you know, I need some of the things that where I do need space to work hard, you know, it's nice to really put my hand down and get to work. Then thing that I need the most is that you're going that the words like I love you for who you are, not what you do. It's the best feeling you can give a type three. Because really when it comes down to it in the connection wise, like that's what we want. Right. So when you're able to see the ways that shows up and the thing that we want the least is to feel worthless. Right. So when you feel worthless, like you're not able to provide value, you're full of Same, you know, that's kind of the core emotion of it. So when you think of what value is, right, the way that I define value is super important for me to feel good, for me to feel safe and loved. It's like maybe my value in the past was more financial. Maybe my value was, you know, in what I do. Like I was placing so much value on what I do is who I am. Yeah. That might and Right. And then moving from like, I'm valued because of who I am. It's a huge, huge shift for a type three to move into alignment. Right. And now all of this comes from understanding that part of the personality type and what is the root of it. And the root of that is super aligned for me. So, regardless of what any test says, you know, when you go through each of the types, And the tests will kind of lean you in the right direction and you feel them out with a teacher to see how that resonates with you. It deeply resonates with me. Like success was the only option. Mm -hmm. It was such an eye-opening moment for me to start working with the Enneagram because I started seeing all of the things, like all of the resources and experiences of life I was leaving behind by success being the only option and my only focus, right? So then taking that step back, what it is, just like I mentioned about looking at my life, it's part of Mm self-knowledge, understanding your core personality type. The goal of the Enneagram is being able to leverage all of the types when the need's there. Set yourself up with a team of all of the types. There are beautiful virtues of of all of them, right? Then whenever you're not aligned, that's when you start to revert back to those challenging tendencies. Yeah. Right. And so it brings a lot of that to my vision. So we're saying, okay, how can I set myself up for success? You know, what are some of the concerns that I have every day? Right. How can my need for efficiency, productivity, all of that be getting in the way of my experience of life, be getting in the way of building relationships? How can this need for prestige or this material representation myself be getting in the way of what I can create. Why am I worried about I'm worried about the image, what people are going to think. How is that going to hold me back from what I can create if I set that to the side? So it's looking at that, understanding and integrating it and not being ashamed of it. Like, yes, I'm definitely four type three. I experienced the stresses of that. I, I've experienced the downsides of that. But I've also experienced the upsides of that growth, the, you know, the harmony, the drive. And it really is a place that you can learn more about yourself in a dynamic way and each other. So doing this with your teams, with people that you care about, you can make a big difference because it, it's just knowledge. It is love. What I love about it is what you said, the ability to create more self-awareness, because I think all of us, we have blind spots. We go misaligned, we go unconscious. We are like running the, like you said, the childhood automatic programming and you don't get to step back or sometimes you don't get to see because you are so in the way that you're like, I don't even know why I'm feeling this way. I just know that something doesn't feel right. And it looks like, and per my my brief experience, it looks like it's such a great tool to shed light on those blind spots that we have when we are reacting over and over. So I think this is huge. And I just love 
everything you have shared about it. I cannot wait to continue learning more, really, about my types. <laughs> this is awesome. I mean, it really is incredible. And there's such a wealth of knowledge within it when you learn about the the vices and virtues of each type and, you know, the core strategies of each type, like how did they try to navigate the world and learning a lot about yourself through that. It just shows you what you default to when you're out of that thinking mind, when you in reaction, because when you're in a space of reaction, you don't have the clarity or the pause, the space in your mind to choose how you want to behave and how you want to respond in situations. When you are in reaction, you are operating out of your core Enneagram type. Yeah, totally. It's just the way it is. Because when you're in reaction, you're operating out of your base conditioning that you've been programmed through and life through, right? So how do you reprogram that through building that self-awareness, through understanding what you default to and having that trigger a good response, having the reaction to wanting to, for me, whenever I notice myself, say, in a situation, like start to talk about something that I feel someone else would like to hear, as opposed to what's authentically me, I notice it and like, oh, here's me trying to gain acceptance, to gain love and connection. Because if I describe this situation or describe myself how I actually am, then, you know, they probably won't accept me. Yeah. Right? But it's, but it's noticing that and saying, oh, there it is. Now, what do I need? What do I need for myself to be authentically myself? What do I need? Yeah. And that's that trust, that faith that I am enough because of who I am, not what I do. Yeah. Right. It's so it's just, it builds that awareness. So then you can notice when you're defaulting into your type. And then you can say, oh, there it is again. Let me make another choice. Like, who do I really want to be in this moment? Right. That's how we gain mastery of our lives. If we can choose what we want to do each moment, if we can choose how we want to respond, what we want to say, and then even what we want to think about mm-hmm. yeah. in that moment, then you've achieved mastery. When you master your life, that doesn't mean that everything's rosy. That doesn't mean that you never experience any hardship or anything like that. No, it's you create your experience over what life throws at you. Yeah. It's not letting what life throws at you create your experience. Yeah. So that's mind mastery is just reversing that and being able to make a choice in that moment. I pause, notice old behaviors coming up, make a different choice. Yeah, it's pure mindfulness because to do that, you got to operate from the present, which is uncertainty and is the only place where you can create this new reaction. So I just love how everything ties together into self-mastery. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's why I love the Enneagram so much because it can really tie back to, you know, what is the core fear, right? What is the core fear that's running your life right now? We all have one. We all and have if you, one. Yeah. Yeah, we all we all have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like even and, saying what you were saying, I mean, achiever, it's in the middle of mine. I'm like type nine, which you go to whenever you are misaligned. Is like in the last, like last of the list. And there are so many things you say that it resonates with me, even though those are not my core. I'm like, totally, that's me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's powerful. Exactly. Yeah, there's been. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say there's been so many times where I've discovered something about myself from like, wow, how did I not know about that for the last decade? How did I not see that tendency and feel like it's going to be the same thing 10 years from now? Embrace that, surrender to that. I love that so much because. Even though we have worked on some of the core wounds, I think different contexts, different situations, different complexity of the outside may trigger it again. And you're dealing with it, but from a different depth, from a different lens. And I think it's like an onion. You peel and there are more layers and more layers. So not expecting it to be perfect, like you said, or linear or pink or all of these things is so important because... People sometimes, including me, 
we think that there is a destination, but it's really all about the journey of building that resilience muscle to continue practicing even when we fall off track, because we will. We are human beings. So that's beautiful, my friend. Thank you for being so vulnerable, John. I've learned so much about yourself, about your journey, about this powerful tool. And I'm sure the audience is super curious to even learn more about you because your story and you as a human being, you're fascinating. I conclude my interviews with a rapid fire question. So I'm going to ask you a question and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Four. Ready? It's several questions, not one, but anyway. <laughs> okay, cool. What's your favorite book? Palestine Prophecy. I love that. Who is your biggest role model? First person that comes to my mind right now is Jay Shetty. Oh my God, I love Jay Shetty. Did you read his new book? Oh, I haven't read the new one yet. I've been, I haven't. haven't it's just, it's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read it, but I listened to a podcast episode where he was interviewed about it. Yeah. Yeah, I've been for that one too. What's the most important piece of advice you would give to your younger self? My younger self. It would be slow down. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I give that piece of advice to me right now too. Same. Is, <laughs> right? Is like, slow down. Enjoy the process. Like, everything's unfolding exactly as it should. Okay. That's You're going to be all right. Cool. What has been the most challenging part of entrepreneurship for you? The most challenging part has been, has been assuming a new identity and what that means within social circles, like with new priorities, with showing up as authentic, really showing up in my purpose and authentically want to. It causes ripples. You know, it causes backlash. It causes perceptions to change. And that's one thing that you have to understand is, you know, going into another line of work, going into your purpose, when you shift major parts of what you're doing and how you're showing up in the world aligned with who you are, what you want to do with your life, there will be new people that support you. You'll become better friends with people that you've known for six months than people you've known for a decade. People will fall off. Things will change. Some, you know, it's and that's just the way it is. So I'd say that the most challenging thing for me was that kind of goes back to the type three, right? Was I was becoming what many people that was connected to, you know, thought of was success. I was there. I was living in my type three baseline security, right? So then becoming something that maybe is different in other people's eyes of success, but aligned with my own heart, right? Is that was the step. That was the the struggle in identity. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear of it sometimes talked about as like an, an ego death, right? And it really was. It was was like letting a part of yourself die to allow what you want to be born. So true. Even for me, even saying, hey, I'm an engineer and a consultant to now I'm a coach, you know, like to me, even like introducing myself like that was mm-hmm. such a big shift. I remember back in 2015, even though I was certified as a coach, I couldn't even say I'm a coach. I'm like, I don't believe that. I mean, engineer, that's way more perceived well in terms of success. So I relate, mm-hmm. and I'm still going through it. I mean, I can connect with you at that level that you're describing so much. And even my relationship with my husband, I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like of me as an entrepreneur versus me having a corporate job. So many things change. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. one thing changes that is that foundational for you, then you got to figure out the rest, like the ripple effect, exactly like mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's powerful, my friend. Okay, cool. I have a question that I just mm-hmm. asked. How do you yeah. deal with failure? Just the first thing that comes to mind. How do I do with failure? It's, I mean, you, t- you take it for what it is. You miss the mark. And it's, forget who, oh, I think it was in the, oh, wait, I interviewed Richard Barney. He said it so beautifully that I kept, that's one part that I kept was, I think he mentioned that it was something more that the Japanese say about it. And they don't say failure. Like it's, 
you've missed the mark. But you have a lot more arrows that you can pull out to fire. And you may miss the mark a few times. You'll never hit the mark if you don't pull if you don't pull it back and fire. Right. So that's the way that I look at it is even if I miss the mark, I'm taking shots. And you know, that's what will make me well, that's what will allow me to die a happy man is taking the shots. Taking the shots. I love it. Where can our audience find you, John? Tell us all the good stuff. Well, your audience can find my podcast at the Present Professional Podcast. You can find all things to do with leadership development, team building experiences, and coaching at humessence.com. That's humessence.com. So they can find all things about me there. And then also my Insight Timer profile, if folks want to interact with me from a yoga meditation basis, I on there both yoga and meditation at times. So you can find my profile on Insight Timer. Everything's pretty much connected between Humessence, Insight Timer, which also professional podcast. And you can also stop by Big Dollar Yoga Thursdays, 5.30 p.m. if you want to attend class in person when you're here in Houston. So love to meet and interact with your audience in any way that I can. And again, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's always fun. I feel like I feel like I talk a lot. You get you really pull it out of me. <laughs> <laughs> you're so funny. I appreciate you so much. To the audience, you have to follow John. You have to go to his website. He's just amazing. And what I love about you, John, you walk the talk. Everything he coaches his clients on, he is practicing himself. I think integrity is a big thing for me. So I admire you, John. Thank you for being here. And thank you for sharing your wealth of knowledge with all of us. Thank you, everyone. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening at With Clarity and Purpose. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Sharing is caring. Please share with your friends and family so we can continue building an empowered community together. I'll see you next week.